0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Alright, welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast. A, an exciting addition as we are just a couple of days away. From first pitch at the Greenville Regional, and man, it, it feels uh feels amazing to be breaking this thing down. Jonathan Wagner joins me. I'm Stephen Igo. Uh, we're gonna do our previews, predictions, all sorts of stuff. Answer your questions, and by your questions, I mainly mean Airborne Pirates uh, 12 questions that he asked online, because he basically asked every single question that we're gonna go over on this podcast. But Jonathan, we're almost there, man. We're just about a day away. From what is scheduled to be the first pitch of this regional, are you excited?
2: Uh, excited doesn't even begin after not having postseason baseball last year, not really having baseball last year. Just the fact that we're here, the fact that we're going to have a Pat Clark LeClaire Classic, we're getting back to normal a little bit. It feels good. I'm pumped up. Uh, like, as, like we talked about last podcast, I was there in Clearwater, so it only made me even more excited to be back in Greenville. So I'm pumped up, and I'll be in the stands now. So I'm even more pumped up for that.
1: Yeah, we've got a Zoom coming up at uh, in about an hour as we record this on Thursday morning. So we're going to keep this relatively short. Uh, my wife was asking, I was out running some errands. I was like, got to get home and do the podcast. She was like, why do you have to do another podcast? Nothing has happened yet. I'm, you know, She's not a huge sports fan, so she doesn't really understand the need to break things down, look at everything from different angles. We're diving into the teams more. We've got an announcement, Jonathan, on the starting pitcher for the regional opener. I believe we both said we would start Carson Wisenhunt, so clearly Cliff Goblin listened to this podcast. He, he heard what we had to say, and he too... Chose to go with Carson Wizenhunt. your initial thoughts on the freshman lefty getting the start against Norfolk State on Friday.
2: Well, my initial thought is when we talked to Cliff in about an hour, uh, I want you to start off with that. Just say, I know you only pick Carson because you listen to us tell you you should. Uh, I'd love to hear his reaction to that. But yeah, my initial reaction was, I think that's what you had to do. I think at this point in the season, you know, you might look at Norfolk State and say they have an rp RPI, a really bad RPI, you know, they're not a good team. But the way I look at it, RPI is irrelevant. At this point, you're in the you're postseason baseball. It doesn't matter the numbers other than the team you are facing. And when I look at Norfolk State and I see a great base running team, you know, a lot of people wanted either Tyler Smith or Jake Coochman to throw. And while I think that both of them will play a role this weekend, I think you have to go with someone who you know can go out and throw strikes. And you know he's not going to give up a whole bunch of free passes, which, you know, that's been Tyler Smith's issue lately. And Jay Coochmander, he's been getting hit around, giving up a lot of base hits. Again, a lot of base runners. A lot of guys reach base against those two pitchers. So I think that's a risky a risky way to start if you go with one of them two. You have to win game one. You worry about the rest of the weekend when you get there. You have to start 2-0. And to start 2-0, you have to start 1-0. You have to get to game two to Gavin. And so I think Carson under is your best shot. And I think it's the right move. And I think, I think, I think it's what you ultimately had to do. You you can't push off too long. You can't save because if you start saving guys, you're not going to get to where you're saving them for.
1: Yeah. And I mean, saving an ace is one thing, but throwing like your number three or four in the regional opener, like that's pretty bold. And, and look, if Cliff Gavin cho- chose to go in that direction, or hell, if the weather wreaks havoc on tomorrow and he doesn't want to burn Wizenhunt and he chooses to go in that direction for that reason, like I don't think we'll blame him. But I just think the more the further you go down the ladder, Jonathan, the more you risk something happening in that first game. Norfolk State is in the tournament; they, you know, they're a near five hundred team. They're capable of winning if ECU goes out and it doesn't play well offensively and and issues a lot of free passes. So. To me, you set the tone, Carson Wisenhunt, if he's on, I don't think Norfolk State's going to be able to hit him. I, I doubt they have seen an arm like that all season. Um, so to me, I just think you, you set the tone, you win game one, you go into the next game confident with uh, with Gavin Williams, and then you let it ride from there. If you get, you get, know, We talked about it. If you get 2-0 in this tournament, I don't see any team coming out of the loser's bracket that's going to beat you on your home field twice to win this regional and if they do then props to them but I I don't care who ECU is throwing I just don't see it happening and um, yeah it puts a lot of importance on game two but you know every every postseason game is going to be important and I want to have my most important game uh, with Gavin Williams on the mound so I think it's the right call and I think ECU is good enough in terms of Tyler Smith, Cooch Sailor, Saylor, Colmore, Bridges, Mayhew, Ginn, Bill like they can piece it together uh, once they get past Hunt and Gavin, so I'm not too concerned about it. So I think it's the right call. Uh, but you know, I get the arguments for others as well. Uh, Jonathan, we sit here at 10:30 uh, a.m. on Thursday. The weather forecast not looking too great for a Friday, um, and it looks more and more like if there is a delay or any situation where the Pirates are going to have to be in wait and see mode. It looks more and more like that 12 noon start time was a good call for ECU to go ahead and play that game because. If showers linger, that nightcap just becomes later and later into the night, and maybe you're even forced to play a doubleheader uh, the following day.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's possible that, you know, the ECU game doesn't get started until the time that the nightcap is originally scheduled. You know, obviously we don't know what the weather's going to do. We don't know if they're going to be able to squeeze it in in between. But, yeah, the forecast doesn't look great. So I think going ahead and getting that 12 o'clock start you know, whether you start at 12 o'clock, whether you start at four o'clock, whether you start at six o'clock or whether you start at some point in between and then you pause and have to get started again. I think it's the right move. It was the right decision, I think. And like you said, if you play the nightcap, you might not get started until late at night. You might not finish until late at night or you might not start that night at all. Like you said, you might have to play two the next day. So I think you made the right decision. But I mean, we all we all knew this was coming. I mean, Greenville Regional, again, especially, like we've always said, we didn't get the experience last year. So rain is going to wreak even more havoc on the weekend. But luckily, as the chances of rain have gone up on Friday, they've gone down for Saturday and Sunday. So hopefully, if we do have issues on Friday, the rest of the weekend can go relatively smoothly because we know they won't be perfect.
1: Absolutely. It, It never is in the Greenville Regional or any regional that East Carolina hosts. We've seen that throughout the history uh, we've got a couple of questions on the Hoist of Colors message board. Uh, we're going to get to this one because this is, this involves the weather. Pirate PAS, the over or under on number of rain delays throughout the weekend? You know, originally I was thinking about setting this at two and a half, but I almost feel like that's too easy to take the over. And and we got to say, not only rain delays, but lightning delays, because lightning delays are the issue. Even if it's not raining, if there's any lightning within eight miles, they shut that thing down for 45 minutes. So... I'm going to set the over or under on the number of weather delays at three and a half, Jonathan, across the entire regional in terms of whether it be the start of a game, middle of a game, at three and a half. And I don't even know what I'm taking. Uh, are you feeling the over or under on three and a half?
2: Oh, I'm hammering the over. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Is, is there a number <laughs> I, I mean, can set that would not that you would not take the over? You could probably say 10 and, a half and I would take the over just because, you know,
2: that's our luck. But I guess does that count, you know, on Fridays, you know, pushing back our start time? Does that count as a rain delay? Yeah. That yeah. kind of stuff? Okay. I, I say yes. Yeah, I'm hammering the over. Hammer, hammering the over, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with the over as well. I mean, maybe three was wasn't high enough, but I'll set it at three and a half because I think if we get through Friday – Maybe we can get through Saturday and Sunday. Friday's the big concern, and then you know how Greenville and Eastern North Carolina weather is. I mean, we could we could get there Friday. It'll be clear skies, and then Saturday, like it'll just blow up out of nowhere, and then we'll be screwed. Um, but you know, I, I hope it doesn't linger too far into the day or disrupt too much because I, I honestly want to stick around and watch that Charlotte Maryland game, which we'll get into those two teams in a minute. But I think that first game between those two teams, I haven't seen who they're throwing. But both those guys have an ace that is probably going to be a top five round pick in the draft, if not top three rounds. So I think that's a very intriguing game. Um, So hopefully we'll we'll be able to check that out. But yeah, stay tuned to Hoist of Colors and also, of course, ECUPirates.com for the latest on the weather. Um, Now, Jonathan, let's get into this regional preview. And we're going to make some predictions uh, on how we think ECU will do. Uh, kind of uh, our picks to click, our under the radar players to watch for ECU this weekend, and so like Airborne Pirate, like apparently read my script, so he's got all the questions asked that I was gonna uh <laughs> that I was gonna ask. So we might as well just kind of go through his questions and kind of let that be the script for the show. So, uh, which honestly I'm fine with because I was going to dive into dive into a lot of this but we'll uh we'll start with him and then if we and then towards the end of the show we'll predict what we think ecu will do in the regional in terms of will they go three and and0 will they lose will they go in two so we'll break that down so we'll start with airborne pirate i don't know how much research you've done uh jonathan on the other teams i've done a breakdown on each of them so if you need me to to take command of these questions about charlotte and maryland i can but you can weigh in as well uh, his first question is, how is Charlotte different now than when ECU played him earlier in the year? Uh, the first thing that jumped out to me, Airborne, was their pitching numbers, I remember early in the year were very good, but their team ERA right now is like f- over five. Um, some of their better arms ha- have seen their EERAs ballooned. It just seems like down the stretch, they've really struggled with starting pitching consistency. Now, they have had a freshman reliever, Kristen Lowe's, Uh, really emerge as a talented go-to lefty out of the pen their offense is really good still Um, they got one of their bigger bats back down the stretch he was actually active for the ECU series got hurt and then came back Uh, he's a Canadian freshman kid who just drops bombs Um, but you know as far as how they're different I think the pitching has struggled down the stretch I don't know if those guys are getting worn out they have a pretty young team overall And um, I think that that's kind of hampered them a little bit as far as how they finished in Conference USA, but still a very strong all around team and certainly capable of winning this regional. Just uh, any thoughts, Jonathan, on how Charlotte is different now or what you remember from them early in the year?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I mentioned it earlier in the week on our first podcast, but I remember I predicted that ECU would lose the weekend series against Charlotte earlier in the year. I don't know why I keep bringing it up and bringing that on, but you know, the number behind that was the pitching. And, yeah, like you said, the, the pitchers, they've all really slipped lately, at least in the rotation. So I think they're different in that aspect. But position players, I think their lineup has gotten a little bit deeper. And they have a couple guys who have stepped up. But, yeah, Charlotte, they're a good team. They're a sneaky team. And they're definitely someone – they're a they're good two-seed. I I think they were, they were in the hosting discussion, so they were in a – the fact that they're a two seed, you know they're they're not they're not going to be an easy two seed. They're a good competition, good team. So I think they're a lot they're a lot more well known and respected, I think, than they were earlier in the season when they came to Greenville. Yeah,
1: that's a good point too. They're they were a pretty young team, a lot of transfers, and now they're kind of they should be much better scouted. And ECU should have that advantage, but also of course ECU will be scouted by Charlotte as uh, that series was played earlier this year. All right, what are Maryland's strengths and weaknesses? Uh, And really, you know, the thing that sticks out to me about Maryland as I was breaking them down is they don't really have a weakness. I mean, I was honestly, I was pretty impressed with their entire body of work. And again, it's very tough to analyze this team because I don't know what to make of the Big Ten. Like, Ohio State came down here a couple years ago and they looked completely unimpressive as a three seed. But then Michigan was a three seed a couple years ago and they were a national runner up to Vanderbilt and almost won the national championship. So uh, I I honestly don't know, but just looking at the raw stats, I'm not gonna act like I've seen a lot of Maryland baseball this year. Um, They're just solid, you know, they hit 260 as a team. The, The biggest thing that stands out about them is their own base percentage, 384. We might have another UCF situation this weekend, Jonathan. 81 hit batsmen. Drawn by the Maryland oh, batters, God. 221 walks. Uh, that compares to 169 walks and 38 hit batsmen that they've done with their pitching staff. So they love to work the count. They love to get hit by pitches. They have three <laughs> They have three batters with uh, 11 or more hit by pitches. Two of them have 16 hit by pitches. This Maxwell Costas guy, he's hitting 291, but his own base percentage is 497. I mean that that's insane. He's walked 28 times and hit, and he's been hit by 16 pitches. Um, they do strike out a little bit, you know. Uh, you know, their best hitter Benjamin Coles has 17 home runs, but he also has 53 strikeouts. He too, to no surprise, has been hit by 16 pitches, um, <laughs> which is just insane to me. So expect a lot of guys uh, on top of the plate pulling a Jordan Rathbone, um, but they have some pop. And then on the mound, the thing that stuck out to me was they they are. Pretty much three deep in the starting rotation. And their ace, Sean Burke, is a six-six righty up to ninety-five miles an hour. Uh, ninety-nine strikeouts and sixty-eight innings. They also have another guy, Jason Savicle, who's a freshman who's thrown two complete games. Then they have Nick Dean, another righty, who's three and one with a two eight seven ERA. And then they've got a really good freshman lefty out of the pen, who's five and one with a one eight two ERA. So this team, the more I looked into them, Jonathan, the more I think that this might be the the scariest team in the region, I know we have another question about that, but to me, uh Maryland kind of worries me as I look at deep into their into their numbers, and they finished the season eighteen and four in their final twenty two games.
2: Yeah you know, I think the fact that you they're a hot team right now is important, you know, like I said earlier, you know the numbers don't really matter anymore. you know I don't care what your RPI is, I don't care what conference you played in. Right now, it's about who plays the best baseball. And right now, Maryland's playing good baseball. And, you know, I I was glad, personally, that UCF didn't make the tournament. Um, I was glad it was South Florida instead of them, Um, not holding any grudges or anything. But, you know, it's fitting that we get stuck with a team like Maryland that is gonna get hit a lot and it's gonna piss us off all weekend. But I'll go ahead and give a prediction here. If ECU does not come out of this regional, it will be Maryland. I said that when I first saw the bracket and just a gut feeling, I think they're playing well right now. And like you said, they don't really have a lot of weaknesses. They don't have a lot of, you know, great strengths, but they're just solid all around. They're a good team. And I think it's interesting, like you said, you know, it's hard to take away, you know, from their conference, exactly, you know, how good these teams are, but right now Maryland's playing well, they're playing confident. And I think, I think they're going to give ECU the biggest run for their money this weekend.
1: Yeah, I'm very interested. To me, if they're able – you know, their their pitching rotation is interesting because they've thrown Burke on a lot of Saturdays this year. Um, But you would think they would throw him in the opener, and you would think Charlotte would throw their guy, uh, Bryce McGowan, in the opener. But if for some reason either of those teams does not throw that guy in the opener, uh, you want that team to lose because you don't want to have to face uh, Sean Burke or – uh Bryce McGowan in the second game because if either of those guys are on it's going to be a tough day to hit so that's something to monitor I have not seen if they've announced the starter for game one as we record this podcast all right let's continue down these questions uh Airborne Pirates next question is who do you think is going to be the ECU guy that sets the tone for the rest of the team um I mean it, it seems obvious Jonathan but for me it's Connor Norby I feel like he's done it all year he bats lead off he plays with some swagger he plays with confidence he gets on base. He sets the table. Uh, I think Connor Norby, in his really, this is his first true postseason action. He was on the team in 2019, but he was a backup. Uh, I think Connor Norby is going to have a uh, a monster weekend to set the tone.
2: Yeah, I think Norby's the obvious choice. Obviously, you know Thomas Francisco in the two hole has had a monster year. I think he's going to play well. And you know Bryson Worl, you know he's he's been swinging the bat well as well. So I think he's going to have a big weekend. You know, he seems good to go after the injury scare and on the first pitch of the last game of the conference tournament with the shoulder, but he's good to go. And I think Bryson Worrell is going to be another guy that really steps up and, you know, kind of sets the tone a little bit. Obviously, Norby in the leadoff spot is a, the obvious answer, but I think Bryson Worrell is going to have a huge weekend, even maybe even bigger than he did at the conference tournament before he got hurt.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he uh, how he comes back. I know that he he's aiming to go, and ECU expects him to play uh, per Cliff Goblin. But I, you know, will he have any lingering effects from that shoulder ding or whatnot? So um, that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, of course, Carson Wizenhunt also a candidate to set the tone since he's throwing out the first pitch on Friday. Uh, do you think ECU will run the table in the regional? We'll skip this question for now because we'll hit on that in our predictions later on. Uh, which teams match up best against which of our pitchers? Well, that's an interesting question Um, from Airborne. You know, honestly, again, I don't have the, the scouting report on Maryland. You know, we have a better feel for Charlotte at this point. Uh, it is interesting that, you know, looking at Gavin Williams against Charlotte earlier this year, he went three and two-thirds innings, gave up two runs on three hits with five strikeouts and no walks. So that is one of four outings that Gavin Williams has given up multi-runs this year. Of course, that was his third relief outing. Uh, and I want to say that was the game that uh, the McCabe kid um, hit a couple of home runs, the big Canadian guy. So that's a matchup that if Charlotte ends up winning or if Charlotte ends up losing, ECU loses. If they play in that second game, that's a matchup to to to, uh, to keep an eye on um Cooch Manor, I feel like pitched decently against Charlotte I can't remember um off the top of my head but really you know as far as Maryland goes obviously if they're a patient team you want somebody who's going to throw a lot of strikes and stay on top of them bury them in the count early in the process so um that's kind of just all I have and then with with Norfolk State you want somebody who can control the running game and not hand out free passes to a team that likes to steal a lot of bases so again I think Wizenhunt's a good uh a good match for them as a lefty.
2: Yeah, I think wasn't um, a good matchup against Norfolk State. I thought Cooch Manor would have been a good – if it wasn't Winston Hunt in your saving, Gavin, I think I personally would have gone with Cooch Manor against Norfolk State just because, you know, again, a lefty. Cooch Manor is he's been known a lot throughout his career at ECU for being able to control the run game, nice pickoff move. But, you know, Maryland, their team, like we talked about, you know, they get on base a lot, whether it's by walks or hit by pitches. You know, so that, that scares me a little bit with a, a Tyler Smith who's struggled to find the zone over the past couple of weeks. Coach Maynard again, who's allowed a, a lot of base runners over the last couple of weeks, Coach Maynard hits a lot of batters, so does Tyler Smith. So I think Maryland matches up well really against one of those guys if you opt to go with them as your number three. But I think it, it just depends on how the first couple of games go and that'll determine who you see in game three. You know, if you don't use a bullpen guy a lot, you might end up going with them. So we'll see it'll be fun to follow but Maryland I think they match up well against quite a few of our arms outside of Carson Wisenhunt and Gavin Williams
1: yeah that's the thing is I was looking at Airborne's next question it kind of ties into what we're talking about by the way Airborne, I feel like at this point you're just pulling a bird pirate just to troll us with some of these questions <laughs> uh, he asked how would you order how we match up against these teams from best to worst and why for each uh, well I think it kind of It goes uh, with what you said. To me, like Maryland with their plate discipline scares me a little bit because ECU has been inconsistent throwing strikes lately. So I would go Maryland uh, as far as uh, the the worst matchup right now. Charlotte, number two, just because I feel like they have some top-end talent. I think, you know, again, I have not seen a ton of Maryland, but Charlotte might have more top-end talent than Maryland. But I like how Maryland plays, if that makes sense, just based off the numbers. And then, of course, Norfolk State's the four seed, and I think ECU is just the overwhelming better team there. So that's how I would I would order it, Jonathan. Any differences?
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's I think that's the order that makes the most sense to me. Maryland scares me the most. So,
1: will we run on the field if we win the regional? Uh, <laughs> no, we will not. We will, we can't because we're uh, we're not allowed. To run on the field, we're not allowed to even walk on the field. We have to do these damn interviews over Zoom. Um, You know, I know nobody cares, but I'm going to bitch about it for a second anyways. Um, (laughs) The NCAA is just a complete joke. So we're the media, we're covering the game. From the press box, we don't even have any in-person contact with the players or the coaches. But yet we have to do all this COVID protocol mess, show up to this... uh, to this testing center show that we're vaccinated or get tested or some BS and uh, get approval to cover the event when we're not even in direct contact with the teams and we can't even have more than one person in the press box so freaking Jonathan after we were told that we would have two people uh, cover the the games the NCAA of course comes in and puts the clamp on it even though they're going to have freaking max capacity and nobody tested in the in the stands with 5,000 people who are going to be closer to the players than we are. So that makes a lot of sense, as always, with the NCAA. From what I was told, this is basically the same protocols they followed for the NCAA tournament. And, of course, it makes perfect sense when the tournament happened, you know, more than two months ago, three months ago, almost. Um, and it was inside. Leah, uh, let's just apply those same rules to the college baseball regional because that makes perfect sense. Jonathan, I'm tired of it, man. We also got an email yesterday, <laughs> um, that said we had to get <laughs> tested, and apparently that was just a mix-up. So we don't have to get tested. But I was pissed for a good five minutes until we uh, we clarified that. So it's been a it's been an interesting week. I will tell you that much. And uh, at least you were able to find a ticket, Jonathan. In fact, you found two tickets, uh, and now you're trying to get, <laughs> get rid of one.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought up that rant because now I get to. Um, you know it's frustrating. You know we both got to work um, this entire season. We both worked full time this year and covered baseball season. And now, you know I get the boot, and I don't get to be up there with you guys. And again, after we were told I would be able to, no issues. But here we are, and it sucks. But you know, after going to Clearwater, you know I was kind of like, you know I'm kind of kind I'm gonna kind of miss being out there in the stands too, rooting for the team. So, yeah, I ended up coming across two tickets, one in the stands, one in the jungle. So, at the time of this recording, I'm still trying to get rid of the one in the jungle. It's one one ticket, all session. Message me on the board or DM me on Twitter for more details, but it's open, and I'm trying to get rid of it. I want to pack it. But, yeah, it stinks, but the NCAA is a, a joke.
1: Use the code Sorry. WAGS for 50% off... Uh... <laughs> jonathan's ticket (laughs) if you're listening to this podcast free (laughs) advertising right there um all right moving on past our rant if we win the regional will you ask cliff godwin about lsu now that's a great question honestly um he's not gonna answer it i mean he knows that i could potentially ask about it because there is smoke out there in the college baseball world but I don't know I go I I, I was torn on it I mean I was thinking about potentially asking him earlier this week but I don't want to like take away from the moment of the team and I know that he's not going to answer it so like to me I would rather have off the record conversations with some sources than just ask Cliff about it on the record because I don't think it's worth it at this point to dive into it while the team is still playing now once the once the season's over it's fair game and we'll report on it more openly. If you're a VIP member, we're talking about, you know, LSU's potential interest in Cliff Godwin, But now I'm hearing that they're interested in Dan McDonald from Louisville and Tennessee coach as well, along with Cliff Godwin. So we'll see what happens. But um, we'll keep you updated there. Uh, next question, who do you think will be the most important arm outside of Gavin Williams and Carson Wizenhunt? Uh really good question here, Jonathan. You know, I... I I want to go Cam Colmore because I feel like he's used a lot, but I'm going to go with a guy who's been a little up and down lately. I'm going to go with C.J. Mayhew. I feel like when C.J. Mayhew is on, he's as good as any reliever in college baseball, but at times he just hasn't been there. But we saw in the conference tournament in that final game, man, he was filthy. And if he can get back to that dominant state where he can go multiple innings, I think that's a game changer. He's a guy who could potentially make a spot start if you need – a couple innings, he can go short, he can go long. I think CJ Mayhew is kind of your key bullpen arm, especially as a lefty.
2: Yeah, I think Mayhew, you know, when you look at his numbers, you know, they might not be what you expect um, in the later portion of the season, but I think he's gotten a lot of bad luck too. I feel like he's been on the mound when, you know, ECU's defense has made a few errors. You know, he's had to make more than three outs in an inning. I feel like maybe that's just my memory serving me, but I feel like that's, You know, what I remember with CJ, I feel he's had a lot of bad luck this year. And but, you know, speaking of spot starts, you know, I think to me, the most important arm will be Matt Bridges. I think Matt Bridges, he's out of the big three, you know, Cam Colmore, Matt Bridges and CJ Mayhew. Bridges probably gets the least amount of appreciation. But to me, um, Bridges has been the second most um, reliable bullpen arm this year outside of Colmore. Bridges made a start in the conference tournament pitch really lights out. He was great, but Bridges, you can put him in any situation, righty or lefty, you know, he's going to come in. He's going to pound the strike zone. And I think, like I said, he gets at least amount of love uh, really on this pitching staff. And I think Matt Bridges deserves a lot. You know, it's, it's most likely, you know, obviously depending on what Vanderbilt does in their um, regional, but it's most likely going to be their last, you know, home games for Bridges, Colmore, Tyler Smith. So I think all I think all three of them are gonna pitch well this weekend. So, but to me, Matt Bridges is the most important arm, and I think he's going to have multiple appearances on the weekend. And who knows? Maybe he'll start Game Three or Game Four if we get there.
1: Who will have the hottest bat? I guess he's just saying who will be the the hottest from start to finish for the regional. Um, I feel like I feel like Thomas Francisco was really starting to find it last week. I think he didn't have his best week at this you know at the south florida in that series but i feel like he really started to sting the ball late uh really well in that conference tournament so i think he's going to carry that over i'm calling for a three homer weekend for thomas francisco in the regional not sure if he'll reach jake washer territory from the greenville regional man that dude was absolutely on fire But I think Thomas Francisco has a huge weekend. Any thoughts uh, for you?
2: Yeah, I think Francisco is going to have a good weekend. But to me, you know, I have a feeling that Zach Agnos is going to be the guy to step up. You know, he had a great second half of the season. I think he cooled off a little bit over the last couple of conference weekends and into the conference tournament. But he's a guy, he always seems to just come through with either a first inning, one or two run double, or a late inning, just big hit when you need it the most. He came through a couple times in the conference tournament and Zach Agnos. I just feel like he's going to come through in a big spot and yeah, I feel like I'm going to, I'll say he's going to have two homers and I think he's going to hit 400 on the weekend. So I'm going to go bold there. And like I said earlier, I think Bryson world is going to have a big weekend as well.
1: Uh, airborne pirate also asks, when will you find out which uniform they will be wearing on Friday? Um, I imagine that announcement will be made today on Twitter, probably based on how they've done it in the past. Maybe, Wait till Friday morning, but you got to go with the the home whites, right? I don't I don't even think they've lost in the home whites this year.
2: I think I don't think they have. You know, maybe the pinstripes too. I, I'm a big yeah. fan of the pinstripes. They play well in the pinstripes too.
1: Yeah, I've heard there's some pitchers that don't like the pinstripes because the jersey feels heavy. So it might depend on who the starting pitcher is, but uh, yeah, hopefully you know whites or pinstripes in that opener game. For whatever reason, the black unis have not been a good, good, good vibe this year as far as the wins. But those were the clutch unis in the uh, in the Greenville Regional nineteen. They wore them against State and did not lose, and then wore them every game and didn't lose the rest of the way. So we'll see how they play it. All right. And then uh, he asked which team scares you the most. I think we both said Maryland there, so we'll just you know roll with that. Uh, Buck Wild. Asks, if a particular game is sold out at Clark Leclerc Stadium, do fans have options to still go to the game and view the field? Overflow, if you will. I I mean, I guess. Why not? They're not going to like... I mean, you can probably stand behind the jungle or outside the jungle and look over and see or stand uh, beyond the practice field for football and see. But, you know, there's still tickets remaining. Jonathan's got a damn ticket, so buy it. And if you want to go, <laughs> I'm sure he'll cut you a deal if he really needs to get rid of it and you really want to go and you're a Hoist of Colors member. um, I think he'll cut you at least a, a small deal. So, Buckwild, if you want to go or you know somebody that wants to go, just hit up Jonathan. man. Know. Yeah, and we'll get rid of that ticket. So You know where to find me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, DM him, PM him, whatever we call it on Hoist of Colors. All right, here's the big question. Airborne, of course, he's got another one. Uh, Will Jonathan Wagner get booted from game two of the regional?
2: (laughs) Wow. Um, And before we move forward, I do want to say I do believe that I just sold the ticket. Oh, wow. So, sorry. What timing? Great timing.
1: Did you get full price? But
2: I believe. I did not, but close to it. So, I'll take it. If it gets another butt in a seat, and that's fine with me, but finally, it was a long process. But I do believe I just made a sale. I should know by the end of the show if it's official. But back to the question: Will Jonathan get booted from Game Two? That's a tough one. You know, that's a tough one. You know, obviously, I have a reputation now um, coming out of Clearwater. Um, but like I said, you know, that was a that was a crazy story. Uh, I'll have to save that story for another day, but it was a, uh, I don't even know what kind of words to use to describe what happened in Clearwater, but I was not in the wrong. And there was also, there was almost a, it was almost a really bad situation, but they tried to kick me out and we said no. And then pretty much they didn't leave us alone for saying it wasn't us that they were looking for. And yeah, it was fun, but I'm going to go with no from game two, just because, you know, we're at home. I'm not going to be the only one there yelling. So if someone is trying to kick, kick me out, it's going to be harder to find me because there's going to be more fans around me. But I promise you this, you will hear me, whether you're watching on TV, whether you're in Clark LeClerc, you will hear me. That I can guarantee you. I go, you will hear me in the press box, too. That's a promise.
1: There's going to be a lot of other fans probably making the same noises as you. So I'll, I'll hear something. I don't know if it'll be your distinct voice. <laughs> Although I am intrigued. Maybe you will run across your old friends from Clearwater at the Greenville Regional. That would be quite a uh, quite a sight. So hopefully y'all cross past so y'all can, uh, y'all can have some fisticuffs in the parking lot.
2: I might get kicked out if that happens. Fair enough. Either that or, you know, they might beat the crap out of me and, you know, then I'll be carried out. But, you know. We're going to find out one way or the other. It's going to be a fun weekend whether I get kicked out or not. So, yeah. Bring bring it on. Bring it on. No promises.
1: All right. Pirate PA, he's got a couple more questions as we wrap up the show. Who will be the unexpected hero who steps up and makes a big play, pitches a big out, or just gives us that memorable moment this regional weekend? Wow. Um, yeah i mean i feel like every regional ecu has won there's been kind of a guy to step up out of nowhere obviously Devin harris in 2009 hit the game time homer and the walk-off i mean that's probably the most boss thing you can ever do in a regional um in 2019 it wasn't unexpected when jake agnos dominated nc state but that's a memorable moment and uh jake washer basically put the team on his back offensively um unexpected hero wow uh Man, there's so many like established players on this team. It's tough to go unexpected, but I, man, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to say Riley Johnson has a big moment this weekend. I don't know if it's going to be defensively, offensively, or what, but I think Riley Johnson, who's gotten some playing time lately, is going to have a big moment this weekend.
2: Will Riley Johnson make a backflip in the outfield before making a catch? Wow. He's he's pretty he's a pretty
1: talented individual.
2: <laughs> he is. Um but for my unexpected hero I have two. You know, you struggled there, but I have two. And one of them
1: Is it fair to go with two? For... <laughs> That's true. No, you can That's go to. You can go to. Okay. Oh, I know but I already know one. one. Yeah. Yeah,
2: my first one you'll love this, but AJ Wilson. I think AJ Wilson Yeah, pump it up. Pump it up. I was pumping it up here. And, you know, just I think he's been a guy who he didn't get a lot of opportunities earlier in the year or I guess middle in the year. He kind of I don't know if he was hurt or something, but he wasn't on the travel roster there for a couple of weeks. But really, since he came back and he was added back onto the active roster, I thought he's he's been lights out for the most part. He has one of the best sliders, I think, in on the team, he probably has some of the best stuff on the team, you know, just with that slider it's nasty, but I think he's developed more of a fastball and he's shown multiple times in the second half of the season that, you know, he can step up whether he's, he's obviously a lefty specialist, but he's shown that he can pitch against a righty too. And I think AJ Wilson, he's going to be a guy who comes in and he comes into a jam, you know, whether it be a bases loaded jam or just a big spot where you really need a strikeout. I think he's going to come in. He's going to give it to you. And my second one, someone else who I think has played very well over the last part of the season, Ryder Giles. Defensively, he's a star at shortstop. He's made a bunch of diving plays. South Florida series, he was all over the place in the infield. And I think he's come up with a lot of big hits lately, too. You know, you get runners on, and obviously, you know, you'd rather have the guys like Connor Orby and Thomas Francis go up. But lately, Ryder Giles has been the guy who – He's, he keeps the inning going, and he gets those guys another opportunity with the runners on base. So, Ryder Giles, he's going to come through with, I'll say, at least at least two big hits this weekend. And A.J. Wilson will pitch well as well.
1: Good picks for sure. And, all right, let's wrap up the show with some predictions, Jonathan, uh, namely our prediction of how we think ECU will do this weekend. we got a couple questions uh, for, around that. So, we'll do that, Jonathan. How do we see the weekend playing out? I'll let you start. Is it a sweep? Is it zero and two? Is it one and two? Uh, who do you think the pirate or who do you think the pirates beat to win the championship? Your thoughts on the weekend?
2: I, I think I said it last week. I don't remember if I texted it to you, but I said ECU will not win the conference tournament, but they will win a regional, and that is still true today. I think ECU wins the regional, and I think they go three and zero. And I'm going to say that they're going to beat Maryland in the championship game. And, yeah, I just think that ECU is in a good spot. I think they're going to come out fired up after Clearwater, you know, probably the last home weekend. So I think ECU is going to come out fired up, and I think they're going to go 3-0. And, but I will say after – I think the first game they're going to win big. But every game, no matter how many more it takes from there, or the last two games, I think are going to be very close. There will be no – cakewalks from there I think it'll be it'll be a close close weekend outside of the first game
1: I too am going to go ECU to sweep the field which makes me really nervous that we're both going ECU to sweep but I think ECU uh, wins game one over Norfolk State beats Maryland in the second game and then Charlotte comes out of the loser's bracket and the Pirates beat them in the championship game they go three and oh they beat every team in the regional and advance to the seventh or sixth, the sixth super regional in program history at vanderbilt unfortunately probably (laughs) but we'll get into that when it comes um next week so jonathan hopefully our prediction rings true should be a fun weekend of baseball at clark Clare stadium it's been fun to break it down all season with you hopefully we have not a season wrap up next week but a super regional preview
2: man i hope so i'm not ready for the season to be over um But yeah, it's going to be a very fun weekend, and I think there's going to be a lot of energy in Clark Leclerc, you know, first time back at full capacity, first time in having postseason baseball in Greenville in two years. So I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. I'm really excited, probably more excited than I ever have been for a regional or anything before. So it's going to be a fun weekend, high energy weekend, and hopefully the Pirates come out fired up like like, like I think they will.
1: We'll have you covered all weekend long on hoistthecolors.net. For Jonathan Wagner, I am Steven Igo. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with you after the regional to break it all down, win or lose. You've been listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast.